0: I hope it hadn't been too long. Do you remember where we are? Please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul has explained to the believers in the Corinthian church how God gave him the ministry that brought the gospel to them. He's reminded them that they are being transformed more and more into the image of Christ their Savior as they look into the person and work of Christ through the Scriptures and then apply that always growing understanding to their Holy Spirit-driven day-to-day spiritual growth and trust in Christ. Because Paul has learned and understands what God's purpose was for him in this life, he was then able not to lose heart. No matter what the circumstances were or how severe the suffering became for bearing the name of Christ in this life, and we first saw this phrase, In chapter 4 verse 1 he further explained to the Corinthians that trying circumstances and suffering actually had a specific purpose in a Christian's life and look then again in chapter 4 verses 7 through 10 but we have this treasure which was the light of the gospel of Christ In jars of clay to show that their surpassing power belongs to God and not to us we are afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. This realization about how God may use circumstances and sufferings in a believer's life is meant to help us know how God walks us through those kinds of things all sorts of opportunities arise for the gospel to be heard through the tough circumstances borne by believers we belong to the savior who lived and suffered and died for us for one thing we have to come to grips with the fact that this life is not an end in itself each of us will experience loss and trials in varying degrees each of us will experience diminishing physical strength over time each of us over and over again has to decide whether to be thankful for what god has given us in christ or be griping and angry about what we think he should have provided for us. If we are blessed with a long life, each of us will constantly demonstrate, especially towards the end, whether we are bitter, angry, and at odds with God, or whether we are thankful, grateful, and at peace with God. Paul encourages us in chapter 4, verses 13 through 15 to keep believing and proclaiming the gospel because a Christian knows that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring all of us believers together into his presence. In other words, this life is preparation for eternal life in God's presence for every genuine believer. And that's really easy to say when things are going the way we all want them to go. So we know the real test is when things don't go the way that we really want them to go. Then, do we recognize that going through those things the right way, still trusting our Savior is preparing us for the eternal life that we will enjoy with him. If we truly believe, we will desire to know and understand how God works and agree with his ways and purposes and so speak gladly, thankfully, and lovingly about who and what Christ accomplished in his his life and death on the cross. Otherwise, our message is obviously hypocritical. As we ended with verse 15 in chapter 4 two weeks ago, we realized that Paul looked at the Corinthians as people God had sent him to, people who needed to hear the gospel, and people God had chosen to be his own children. Christ died for them, they heard the gospel. And many trusted Christ. Therefore, any suffering that Paul experienced in his effort to bring them the gospel and help establish them in it was more than worth it. And again, in verse 15 of chapter 4, we read, "...for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And look how our passage today, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, look how it begins. So, we do not lose heart. If you are able, would you please stand as I read... 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. may be seated. I notice first that Paul is not denying there is suffering or acting like suffering doesn't matter. He says very clearly that his sufferings are very real. The difference is that he has learned not to be preoccupied with them, which would make him lose sight of what God had called him to be and do. In other words, Paul has learned how the Lord faithfully walks with him through sufferings. And because he's not angry at God in those times, he's able to see the incredible things that God does and brings about through them. In verse 16, Paul uses the contrast of our outer self and our inner self. He says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So the outer self is what? The physical body, which Paul says is wasting away. As we become aware of all the sufferings and trials Paul tells us about, especially in chapter 11 verses 23 through 27, where that in, that list is, there's no way all of that did not mar and damage his physical body and appearance. No way. He's in good company, of course. The prophet Isaiah wrote the following in a prophecy about the coming Messiah in Isaiah 52, verse 14. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. The Christian Standard Bible renders this. His appearance was so disfigured That he did not look like a man. And his form did not resemble a human being. But Paul's point is that something else is going on all the time inside the believers. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. In his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, Paul gives a very brief summary of what the Christian life looks like. There we read, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, which means that you have a new attitude or disposition toward God as a believer. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And how do we put on? And we see everywhere in the New Testament that God mostly uses his means of grace the scriptures as they're preached and taught and studied and read and prayed and sung and pondered and also the ordinances of baptism in the Lord's Supper and also worship in a Christ-centered church and the people that are part of that church He uses all those things, and really every circumstance, but mainly these things, to accomplish his spiritual ends as the Holy Spirit works in us and on us, even in suffering. And now we come to verse 17, which probably is one of the most despised verses in the Bible for those people who incorrectly believe that God will or should make your life what you think it should be. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. The fact that Paul describes his own sufferings as this light Momentary affliction is amazing. We know that they were heavy often and many times deadly, speaking of Paul's sufferings, and not light and momentary, if you're looking from just the perspective of this life. But Paul has obviously learned to look at life now from the eternal perspective. The obvious lesson for us all here is quite alarming, and it's very important to learn as well. And most of us, or all of us, tend not to want to learn this lesson. And we fight it with everything that we are. And what is it? The way a Christian looks at afflictions should be very different from the way they are viewed by unbelievers. Paul writes in Romans 8, verses 16 and following, We are the children of God. And if children, then heirs Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. In order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. There's that glory word again. Paul actually connects sufferings with glory, which probably means that the pattern of sufferings in this life followed by glory established by Christ himself in his own life is god's own pattern for his people and that we should not expect to escape from it but rather to accept it as god's will for us so in some way either as reward or else as a result of the character molding that patient endurance of suffering brings future glory will have been produced by god mostly through that suffering and lastly in verse 18 paul again brings before his readers the uniquely christian view of life he contrasts the things that are seen and therefore transient or temporary the things that are seen And therefore, transient and temporary to things that are unseen that are eternal. Now, why is this uniquely a uniquely Christian view of life? Well, let's just be honest. Simply, most people live as though life in this world is going to go on indefinitely. And it doesn't take much observation to realize that's the way most people think, even though most people or everybody knows it won't go on indefinitely. So what do they do? They know everyone dies, but they literally then fill their lives with anything that takes their mind off of actually having to deal with that reality. It's a great exercise. Besides looking at our own lives, look at the people you know. What is the most precious thing to most? This plan and that plan and this idea and that idea, trying to prolong or not deal with something they know they need to face. And that's why, why when we know someone who's spent his whole life being angry and putting down and hating God in every area of his life, and then they're on their deathbed and they face that reality, and they realize that they can't control it, and they turn to the Lord because they have just heard the gospel at their own son's funeral, which we experienced and I told you about earlier, and they repent, truly repent and trust Christ, that is an amazing thing that God has done there. The Christian, however, should have a godly realism, realism about this, which should color their whole life in every way possible, especially in their values, which then affects their actions so the sense the idea this idea in verses 7 and 17 and 18 should go together these are connected as we see reflected in most translations that have these two verses as being one sentence or idea check to see if yours does there should not be a period after verse 17 paul is saying that our light and momentary afflictions are preparing or achieving for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as or while or get this it can also it also means providing that we fix our eyes on Jesus as Hebrews 12:2 says looking to the things that are unseen the eternal And there's one more important thing to notice here. Back in chapter 3, verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 3, 18, Paul made the point that our progressive transformation into the likeness of Christ is brought about as we look at or to him and reflect his glory. There we read, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I don't know about y'all, but at the end of the year, and you're starting to think about, is this year ever going to get over? And then you hope Again, for the next year, what are we thinking? We, as God's people in this little body of Christ, are being transformed into the likeness of Christ. Our job is not to look around and rate who's ahead in this race. Our job is to help each other see what God is doing in our lives and as a corporate body. You know what? We could talk forever if we could get everybody not shy enough to actually share with everybody sometime what you know God is doing amongst you and the people you know. And many of you do that with your close friends and it ends up getting back to some other people and people are going wow, look what God has done. And every time I hear that it just thrills my soul. Because I need to hear it. And I figure if I need to hear it, y'all need to hear it. Even and sometimes even more when people are going through tough stuff that we look at and say, man, I don't know how you're doing that. And the response is, I don't either, but God is faithful. Look at what he's done. That's how it works. We're hooked together whether we want to admit it or not. And that's called mutual, m- mutually encouraging one another in the faith, and bearing testimony to what God is doing, which, is, which means that we're fixing our eyes more and more on Christ who's called us together. Now, is there a difference between what he says there in 3.18 and what he says in 4.18? 3:18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And 4.18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You see how he's saying the same thing? But there is a difference. In both, Paul is thinking of the importance of looking at Christ, the eternal things. But in 3.18, the emphasis is on the results here and now in this life of looking at Christ. And in 4.18, the emphasis shifts to another gear. The emphasis is on the results for the life to come of looking at Christ now, the eternal weight of glory that he is preparing for us that we get a taste of now. Another way to say this is to consider the tension between the already and the not yet. Paul is not putting down, negating, or repudiating any interest in the visible world. Far from it. What he is doing is affirming that his affections are set on things above, which is the way he puts it in Colossians 3. Folks, he says this in every letter he writes. And he says it a little differently to each body because he knows each body. But it's the same message. These are lasting realities that are unseen completely as yet, but are promised and will be realized fully. Can you define eternal? I looked at that word and I said, well, I know what that means. And you think about it a little bit, and if you can get your brain around eternal you realize that, yeah, we may have a simple definition, but we're never going to get our minds around it completely. Because eternal basically means destined to last forever. So we apply this like this. Paul's afflictions were temporary. His reward, eternal. our afflictions are temporary and our reward is eternal. So, we do not lose hope. Let's pray. Oh Lord, may you work in us in such a way that we recognize and experience your rest and your peace as we learn to trust you more each and every day. You are our only true and faithful hope, and we thank you for doing for us in Christ what we could never do for ourselves. Your gift to us of Christ's redeeming grace is life itself. We love you, O Lord, and are eternally grateful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you please stand for our benediction? from Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen. You're dismissed.